a series called Numa, Life in the Spirit. I know that kind of sounds weird, but let me explain it. Numa is the Greek word used for spirit in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, which is the Greek version of the stories of Christ. And Numa simply means breath, wind, or the spirit. We're talking about what does it mean to be people who truly believe the Spirit of God lives in us? What does it mean to have life in the Spirit? And what we've began talking about from the very beginning of this series is that I firmly believe the Christian life is meant to be a life that is fully dependent upon and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the way God wants us to live. I am so glad that the day that I confess Christ as my Savior, good choice, now go figure it out. I am so glad that what we understand what the Bible says is that when I become a follower of Christ and a believer, that the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. And the Holy Spirit has a specific job. That is, and we're going to look at that today, at what Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit as he was about to leave his disciples, and that we need to be people who are yielded to that. And the problem that we discovered for many of you is that the degree to which you have ignored the work of the Holy Spirit in your life as a follower of Jesus is probably equivalent to the dissatisfaction you feel with your Christian life. Because many of you have been trying the hardest you can on your own to try to please God and try to do right, and you're just trying to get up enough strength to do that. And the good news is, I am not left to my own devices to live the life God wants me to live. I actually have an inner helper that is here to help me to live the way God wants me to live. You have the same, the Holy Spirit at work in our Life. So here's the question as we kind of start today's talk. Here's, here's one, I want you to think about this. How many of you have ever tried to do a project alone that you know was probably designed for at least two people? Okay, ever tried it before? For, for example, um, we've, I'm sure we've bought, and you've probably as well, we bought stuff from Ikea. And uh, some of those things are small, and, and you can do them alone. Some of those are bigger, and you need to have somebody helping you. But I've attempted projects like that alone. I've attempted do-it-yourself projects at home alone. And I don't know how many times I have prayed for like a third hand. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're holding up a board. You're wanting to somehow attach it to something. And you're going, boy, it'd be great, God, if you'd just give me another hand right now to kind of hold this other board up. Because when we try projects alone that you know would be better with two people, a few things happen. One, you get frustrated. Two, bad words come out of your mouth. I mean, I'm just being honest. Three, you might get hurt. I have injured myself doing something alone that I know I probably should have had somebody else helping me. I've hurt my back lifting things alone that I probably should have had somebody helping me lift. We've all been there. And I think that our own human limitations teach us something. They teach us that we're actually designed to have helpers in our life, that we need people to journey through life with us. You know, I'm a big fan of Fred Rogers. Many of you know him as Mr. Rogers. Um, A lot of buzz about him right now, especially with the movie featuring Tom Hanks. But Mr. Rogers had a great saying, and he actually was, um, he wrote an article back in 1986. And in the article that he wrote, this is what he said, because he made a very valid point about what his mom taught him. And here's what his article says. He says that I was spared from any great disasters when I was little, but there was plenty of news of them in newspapers and on the radio. There were graphic images of them in newsreels. 
For me, as for all children, the world could have come to seem a scary place to live. But I felt secure with my parents, and they let me know that we were safely together whenever I showed concern about accounts of alarming events in the world. There was something else my mom did that I've always remembered. Always look for the helpers, she'd tell me. There's always someone who is trying to help. So I did. And I came to see the world is full of doctors and nurses, police and firemen, volunteers and neighbors and friends who are ready to jump in and help when things go wrong. I was watching um, a TV show with my granddaughter. Yes, I'm that old. Uh, With my granddaughter, um, based on Mr. Rogers. It's Daniel the Tiger. Um, And one of the episodes that I was watching with with Evie, um, there was a song about looking for the helpers. And uh, that's all, of course, from Mr. Rogers. Maybe you've seen the episode where he's talked about looking for helpers. And You know, the truth is, when it comes to our spiritual life, we need to look to the helper, because there is somebody who will help us. And I I don't know about you, but my spiritual walk with Christ has not always been perfect, has not been flawless. It has had struggles, and I've had to learn how to look to the helper who is there to help me and to help you to live the life that I believe God wants us to live. So today, I want to challenge us to look to our helper, to look to our helper, the Holy Spirit who is within us. I just want to, to help remind you of the whole point here about the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been at work all along, right? We looked at that last week. And if you've missed any of these messages in this series, they're all available to you on our website. You can also uh, go to iTunes. If you're a podcast subscriber, you can subscribe to Neighborhood Church Weekly uh, Messages. And all those messages from the past are there for you. So we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I don't have time to go back and kind of rehash that. But we do know this, that when it came to the presence of God, God's relationship with his people has progressed over time from being with them. So when we look at the Old Testament, we see that God was with his people. We see that that very visually. There was a fire above the tabernacle by night, and there was a cloud by day, and it was this visible sign that God was with his people. And then when the incarnation of Christ came, Now, it wasn't just God with us, it was also now God among us. It says in John that he dwelt among us, the way that the message translation says that he moved into the neighborhood. So we have Jesus like with us, among us. And then because of Jesus coming and his death and resurrection and the work of the Holy Spirit now, we have God now in us by the Holy Spirit. So it's progressed. God with us, which was God in the Old Testament. We have God among us, which is Jesus. And then we have God in us, dwelling in us, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's not just some kind of an afterthought. It's been the idea of what God has seen from the very beginning. And I want us to to go back to a couple of prophets in the Old Testament to kind of help us see the work of the Holy Spirit prophesied about that would happen through the ministry of Jesus his death and resurrection. One of those is Isaiah 44. Isaiah ministered during a time uh, that was about 500 years before Jesus was going to come, all right? He was ministering to the nation of Israel as a prophet. Uh, They had turned their backs on God multiple times throughout the Old Testament. And he says these words in Isaiah 44, 3. The Lord says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring, and my blessing 
on your descendants. Can I make note in the back of your mind that prophecy? Because when Jesus has something to say about the Holy Spirit, it dovetails very nicely. We'll come to that in a moment. But the prophet Ezekiel, also a prophet who operated about 500 years before the coming of Jesus, said these words, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And that prophetic thread then is continued. So once the New Testament story begins to unfold, we see the birth of a guy named John the Baptist. John was a cousin of Jesus, but he was also the one who was coming to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus the Messiah. And part of John's preparing the way was he would preach. And so John would preach in the wilderness, people and he preached a message of repentance, turn away from your sins. He would baptize them in the Jordan River. And in one of his messages, one of his times of preaching, he said this in Mark 1, verse 7. And this was his, John's, message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus, at that moment, under the ministry of John the Baptist, Jesus himself is baptized. The Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus. We see this in all the gospel accounts, like a dove lands upon Jesus. And the Bible, the New Testament tells us that from that point, Jesus' public ministry began, and he began to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus also had some things to tell us and teach us about the Holy Spirit. But at this point, the Holy Spirit was pretty much still just in Jesus. Okay? One of the things we learned last week, the same spirit that was in Jesus as he ministered here on earth, friends, is the same Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Okay? The Holy Spirit is God. God never changes the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the good news is the same spirit at work in Christ and through his ministry is actually the same Holy Spirit that dwells in the hearts and lives of believers. All right? But Jesus had this to say about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, 11, in Luke's account of one of Jesus' teachings, he says this, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So it hasn't been given yet, but he's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit the gift of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 7. This is that passage that kind of parallels Isaiah that we just read. Jesus stands, and you've already heard this passage in one of the previous messages about this where I spent more time here in John 7, but it's recorded. He says that, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he, Jesus, meant the Holy Spirit or the Spirit whom those who, had, who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So again, the Holy Spirit's working within Jesus, but had not been poured out upon all people yet. Now, during the ministry of Jesus, as he was approaching his death, so we see in the gospel accounts that time where he's in this upper room, kind of set aside for Jesus and his followers, where he has the Last Supper. 
okay? Well, in this upper room, besides just having dinner together, Jesus spends some time teaching. And in John's gospel account of Jesus, chapters 13 to 17, we see this upper room conversation between Jesus and his disciples. What I want you to understand is what we're about to look at is some of the final moments that Jesus had with his disciples before his arrest and his death and his resurrection. How many would think that in that context, Jesus would choose very carefully what he was going to talk about? I mean, think about it. If you knew this was the last conversation you were going to have with your kids, or this was the last conversation you were going to have with a loved one, and perhaps you, like I, have been by the bedside of somebody that you have loved, and they were about to pass, and what they were going to say, you bent in to listen to because it was very important, right? Here's Jesus, last moments on earth with his disciples before his death and resurrection. He teaches them. And in his teaching them, certainly he comforts them. He says, look, friends, I know you're going to be troubled because I'm going away, but don't worry. I'm going to come back for you. We see that in John chapter 14. We see that he says, look, I'm going to still be praying for you. I'll be at the right hand of my father. And when you pray, I will hear and I'll be there for you. But one of the most comforting things Jesus does is he speaks about the coming of another advocate, of another helper that will be with them. Now, what is so genius here about Jesus is rather than spending these hours with his disciples trying to prepare them for every potential eventuality of what could happen to them, because, I mean, there were a lot of things that will happen to the disciples as we see in the book of Acts, but rather than trying to paint this picture of all the things that are going to happen, he just says, you're going to be given a helper, and the helper is going to guide you and teach you just like I was here to guide you and teach you. So he begins to introduce the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, throughout the remaining of Jesus' teaching in this upper room discourse, is a thread woven throughout what Jesus is teaching. And I would encourage you at some point to just sit down with your Gospel of John and read that session as though you were there with Jesus, 13 to 17. All right? Because you'll get the, kind of the, the entire context of what was happening those last moments. But we're going to look specifically at a few of the things he had to say as it pertains to our helper, the Holy Spirit. So John, well, first of all, our helper is within us. So our helper within us is one of the things that Jesus was going to show them. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you, and I want you to understand or pay attention to these words, another advocate. That's what the NIV translation says, another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, Jesus was saying some things that many of us might sound a little mysterious. Let's kind of break it down. First of all, he talks about another advocate. And maybe your translation of the Bible you're reading from, it might say comforter, it might say counselor, it might say helper. But when the NIV translation was coming to a term to best describe the Greek word, they chose to go with advocate. Now, many of you probably have heard the word advocate. An advocate is basically someone who comes alongside to defend your cause or to defend your need. 
Oftentimes, it is a term we see used in kind of a judicial situation where there is a court-appointed advocate that comes alongside. For example, CASA, which is a local nonprofit, are adults who come help a child who's in foster care to navigate through the court system. They're a a court-appointed advocate is what they're basically doing. And so they are, we get the term, somebody who comes to help us to defend our cause. What the Holy Spirit is for us is an advocate. But I think what is interesting is Jesus calls him another advocate. Another advocate. So what Jesus is basically saying, and we don't have the benefit of understanding the language of which Jesus spoke. Jesus spoke Aramaic. The Bible was recorded or written in Greek in the New Testament. But what he was basically trying to say is, The Father's going to send another advocate, another helper, just like the helper you currently have. So who is the helper they currently have? It's Jesus. He's been with them. He's been teaching them. He's been pointing out to them how to follow God and how to live. And so Jesus is saying, now the Father's going to send another advocate just like the first advocate that came to you. In fact, John, who was there in the upper room with Jesus, later on in his letters, in fact, it's in 1 John chapter 2. So 1 John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John are letters written by John, the apostle of Jesus. And in that letter, he says this, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So John understands that Jesus was that first advocate, and what he came to do was to advocate for our sin. Aren't we we glad he did? Jesus died on a cross. He stood up for our salvation, for our cause. He took our place on the cross, and he was the first advocate who came for us to be here on our behalf, to speak for our cause, to stand before the Father to advocate for us. And what Jesus was basically saying to his disciples is that the one who would come, the helper, would be just like him, would be just like him. In fact, the Holy Spirit does help us. Paul picks that up in Romans chapter 8. I know I'm kind of shotgunning scripture, but this all ties together. In Romans chapter 8, Paul the apostle says this, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So here's good news. We're all there. We've all been weak. We're all weak in some areas of our life. And here's what the Holy Spirit does. Comes alongside as an advocate. It helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. In other words, the Holy Spirit who is in us is interceding for us. Now, what does that mean? Jesus was the first advocate who came on our behalf for our salvation, who still, by the way, is advocating for us at the right hand of the Father. The Bible tells us that. Jesus is always interceding for us. I believe that's Hebrews, right? Well, here's what I want you to see. We've got the Son and the Spirit, both advocates of our case or of our cause, and they're both intercessors for us. I want you just for a minute to picture this, okay? I know the Trinity is hard to understand. We talk about three and one. We talk about three people, God, one, and it's kind of hard to understand. But listen, we know the Trinity is this, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What I want you to see is God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are both advocating for you. 
They're both interceding for you. If you've ever felt like you're on the wrong side of the team, friends, listen, you're on the right side of the team. And the Father, by the way, is for us. That's what Paul tells us in Romans. In fact, that same chapter I just read from, chapter 8. If God is for us, who could be against us? If you feel like life is hard, remember, you've got advocates who are interceding for you. You are never, you are never alone. So the Son and the Spirit, both advocating for you. Now, the, what I want to kind of break us back down to here is I want you to think for a minute about what Jesus had to say. He said, I haven't read it yet, but in John chapter 16, verse 7, I want you to hear what Jesus says, because this is kind of hard. If you put yourself in the context of the disciples, the idea of Jesus leaving was not a good thing. But what does Jesus say? I want you to see this right here. John 16, 7, he says, but very truly I tell you, this is that same setting of teaching. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Why would the disciples ever think it was good for Jesus to go away? I mean, think about it for a minute. They've had Jesus, the Son of God, with them for about three and a half years. They're probably thinking, no, Jesus, when you're talking about leaving us, there is nothing good about any of this. Why would it be good for you to go away? Jesus said, there's a good reason for me to go away, and the good is because if I don't go, the advocate won't come. And what Jesus is saying is our helper within us would be better and not, not as in stronger and greater, but understand the context. Our helper within us would be better than Jesus beside us. I want you to let that kind of sit in for a minute. Our helper within us would be better than Jesus beside us. Now, I want you to think for a minute. What would it be like to have Jesus right next to you? Everywhere you went, at your work, at home, in your recreation, I mean, how many times do you think you might consult him? Hey, Jesus, you know, I've been thinking about, or I'm wondering about, or would you help me understand this? I mean, wouldn't that be a great resource? Jesus with. The disciples are like, yeah, that's great. We don't want you to leave. It's been good to have Jesus with. But he's saying, no, look, if I go away, you'll experience my presence in a more profound way. Because rather than me being next to you or among you, I'll be in you. That's the advocate, the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Now, where do your thoughts, where do your will, where does your intention come from? It comes from within us. And he knows that if the Holy Spirit comes and takes presence in our life, the Holy Spirit will teach us and help us where it matters most, the origin of our thought and our will and our intent. It's better if I go away because then the Spirit of God will dwell in you. So I'd like to say it maybe this way. The Holy Spirit is our helper within us, helping us to live our lives according to God's plan and purpose. So he's a helper within us, and he'll be with us forever is what the Bible says, forever. Some of you might wonder if you did something and like God left you because of what you did. You know, David prayed when he had sinned against the Lord by committing adultery with Bathsheba. You know what he prayed? He prayed, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. 
is what David prayed. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was kind of more come and go, come and go. It wasn't constant. Don't take your presence from me is what he was basically saying. The good news, friends, is the Holy Spirit is with you. Even as a follower of Jesus, when you sin, the Holy Spirit doesn't go, see ya, (laughs) I'm just going to leave you to your own right now. No, the Holy Spirit is still our helper. He convicts us. Yeah, we might feel the sting of what we did. He'll remind us that was wrong. But he's with you forever. That's why Jesus would basically say to them, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. We'll get to that in a minute. But the Holy Spirit dwells in us always as a constant and permanent helper. You're never left to your own devices, friends. And the reason this is important is because many of us are not listening to our helper. Many of us are not recognizing the helper is even present within us to listen to. He's constant, never will leave you. That's why Jesus would say in John 14, part of that teaching again, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you'll realize that I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That's a lot of in-words. What he's basically saying is, because I am leaving, you're not going to be left like orphans. Now, what's an orphan? You know, we've probably seen Orphan Annie. We get the idea an orphan's basically a child whose parents have died or abandoned them. So they're orphaned. They're left to their own. They have to protect themselves. They have to provide for themselves. They're considered orphans. So Jesus said, I'm not going to orphan you. No, I'm going to be with you. But how is he going to be with us? By the Holy Spirit at work in our life. And with God, friends, the good news is there is no orphans. The disciples were going to face some pretty challenging times. They even felt like Jesus was abandoning them. I mean, think about it. The book of Acts talks about them being beaten, arrested, falsely accused. I mean, these are not good events. But Jesus said, you're not going to have to go through those things alone, friends. I will be there to be your source of hope and power, guidance, teaching. I'm there. I'm the helper who is within you. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why he could say, I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. We're part of God's great divine family, God the Father, God the Son, by God the Holy Spirit within us. You're never alone. You might feel lonely at times, but friends, the Holy Spirit, God, is with you, our helper within us. But he also had to tell us this. He's our helper who teaches us. Our helper teaches us. Very quickly, John 14, 25 He says, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, there's that word again, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you everything that I have said to you. Now, when Jesus was here, his primary purpose was to reveal the Father to his disciples in the world. And he basically said, what you see me doing is actually what my Father would be doing because I am doing what my Father says. So when Jesus came, he came to reveal the Father. He came to reveal the purpose of his kingdom. And what he's saying now is the Holy Spirit will continue that teaching job and that revealing job. As I revealed my Father, the Holy Spirit is here to reveal me to you and to reveal me to the world. So he's going to be our teacher who will be with us, who will guide us, And that's going to be very important because these disciples, these followers of Jesus, 
would need to remember the things Jesus said because they were going to be the ones who taught about Jesus, who started the church and ministered in those churches. And thankfully, because of Scripture that was written by these apostles and followers of Jesus, we have the life of Jesus recorded to help us know who he is. So reading, studying the Bible, even memorizing it, thinking upon it, obeying it, that's all work that the Holy Spirit will help us to do. I'm so glad that when I read the Bible, it's not just static words. In fact, Hebrews tells us the Word of God is living and active. Why would he say that? Because here's what happens. As a follower of Jesus, when I read the Bible, the Holy Spirit's at work in my heart too. And sometimes when I read a passage, I won't really see anything. But like a year later, I read that same passage. It's like, holy cow, where'd that come from? I have never seen that before. All of a sudden, that has a significance. Why? Because I believe the Holy Spirit's bringing some things to my awareness to deal with in my life. He's teaching me. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. Will teach us the things that we have learned about Jesus. So the Holy Spirit will teach us all things, remind us of the things Jesus had said, and then more importantly, help to apply those to our lives. We don't need Christians who know more about Jesus. We need Christians who will live more like Jesus, right? That's what we really need. I don't need more head knowledge about him, although it's good to know who he is. I need to be submitted to that. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit, to apply the things that I know about Jesus and read about Jesus into my own life because then I become a better person, not only in my own life, but to those around me. So he's our teacher. He's within us. Always, he's our teacher, and thirdly, he's our helper. Our helper makes Jesus known. So not only do we get to know Jesus through reading Scripture, we also are part of the Holy Spirit's work to make Jesus known. Let's look at it. Mark, uh, sorry, John 15, 26. That when the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about who? Jesus said, me. Will testify about me, Jesus. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Now, here's what's interesting. Jesus said to his disciples later in John, actually, maybe a little bit earlier, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? So Jesus came to present and speak truth. The Bible is called the word of truth. God is a God of truth. He cannot lie. And the Holy Spirit was called in this passage the spirit of truth. Here's why this is important. The Word, God, and the Holy Spirit and the teachings of Jesus are all going to be in alignment. They're going to agree with each other because they are truth. Why is this important? Here's why it's important. Because I know there are some charismatic movements in our world today that want to have these new revelations about Jesus or about the things of the Spirit that don't always line up with Scripture, all right? The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And if I sense the Holy Spirit leading me to do something that is contrary to the revealed Word of God in Scripture and by Jesus, I probably shouldn't do it because they will work in unity because they are all going to be truth. So I caution the church today to be mindful that a lot of people now can be authors and bloggers. They can write about new revelations from Christ. Let me just tell you, the Holy Spirit will always glorify Christ. The Holy Spirit will always confirm Christ and come in alignment with Scripture. 
Let's be cautious about listening to too many things that are kind of off track when it comes to new revelations from the Spirit. They have got to be in line with God's purpose, His plan, as revealed in Scripture and as taught by Jesus. But then he also says that you must testify about me. You must testify. So the disciples, they were going to do that. In fact, in Matthew's account of the Gospels, and I'm wrapping up, I promise, but in Matthew chapter 10, imagine being the recipients of this conversation with Jesus. Matthew 10, 19, he's saying to his close friends, but when they arrest you, I mean, how many of you would be like, if Peter would just say, Hang on, Jesus, let's just stop back at when they arrest you, because I'm really having a hard time figuring out what I signed up for, because I followed you, because you said to come follow me. Where are you going with this, Jesus, when they arrest you? Well, Jesus knew the context into which he was calling his disciples to follow. It was hostile. They would lead a church that would be growing in the face of absolute harsh persecution, Christians dying for their faith, being arrested because they believed in Jesus. This is still happening, friends, in our world today, people being arrested because of their profession of faith in Christ. He says, so when they arrest you, don't worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Or as Luke says, and I don't have the passage up here for you on the screen, but, but in Luke's same parallel account of this conversation with Jesus, he says, the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Well, here's what's interesting. You fast forward to the book of Acts. This is when the church is birthed, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples, and they begin to preach. What do we see happen almost immediately after Peter preaches the day of Pentecost? What happens? They get arrested. Yeah, they get arrested. They get beaten. They get put into jail. I mean, Peter's in jail a couple of times. Paul, the apostle, gets beaten and arrested countless times as well. Um, This kind of stuff happened. And here's what's pretty cool about this. If you look at one of the accounts of when Peter was arrested, and when they stood before those who were trying them, and they spoke on behalf of Jesus, what's interesting is the Bible records in Acts that they were impressed by Peter because they knew they were ordinary, unschooled men, but took note that they had been with Jesus. Yet, not only had they been with Jesus, now the Holy Spirit was dwelling in them, and they testified about Christ in very powerful ways. In fact, Paul would speak about Christ in profound ways that would almost move kings to believe in Christ. Testify about me. Now, friends, here's the thing. We're also today, as followers of Christ in a hostile culture that's very anti-Christian, to continue to testify about Christ, because the Holy Spirit will always bring glory to Jesus, will always testify about Him. That is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 tells us that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us to be witnesses. Who are witnesses? They're people who testify about Jesus. I love the way C.S. Lewis said this years back. He says, as Christians, we are tempted to make unnecessary concessions to those outside the faith. We give in too much. Now, I don't mean that we should run the risk of making a nuisance of ourselves by witnessing at improper times, but there comes a time when we must show 
that we disagree. We must show our Christian colors if we are to be true to Jesus Christ. We cannot remain silent or concede everything away. Well, you could almost hear C.S. Lewis saying this today in the midst of our culture. We're conceding away too much, friends. We are to make Jesus known. We're to know him and thank God the Holy Spirit helps me to be reminded of what Jesus said, but we're also to make him known in our world. So the Holy Spirit makes Jesus known to us and helps us to make him known to others. That is the helping work of the Holy Spirit. And here's the summarize. Our Holy Spirit helper is within us. He teaches us. Just like having Jesus beside us, the Holy Spirit will teach us if we will listen. And he will help make Jesus known, not only in our own lives, but to help us make him known through our lives. So is the Holy Spirit at work in your life? Can you kind of look back and say, I feel like I know and have sensed the guiding and the teaching of the Holy Spirit within my heart. I feel like I believe that this is better than even having Jesus next to me is because the Holy Spirit can speak within me. The thing is, as many of us don't. We go through our life without even thinking about God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling in you. Paul says you are temples of the Holy Spirit. So glad that God didn't leave us to our own devices. He gave us the Holy Spirit to be our helper. But he can only help you do things when you yield to the work of the Spirit within you. Help you to overcome the struggles that you battle in your flesh as you're tempted into sin, to help you to know Jesus and make him known, to help you apply God's word to your life. That's the work of the Spirit. So as we close today, I want you just to, maybe for a moment, just close your eyes. and Think for a moment about yourself. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, all this might sound like nonsense today to you. But I'm just glad you're here. The Holy Spirit will come when we believe in Christ. That's what the Bible shows us. If you want to know that power at work in your life, it begins by confessing your need of Jesus as your Savior, the advocate who came to die for your sins. And if that's you today, I just challenge you in this moment, it's not difficult. You just invite Christ to be your Savior, to ask him to forgive you of your sins, that you believe that he is indeed who he said he was, the Son of God who came as our advocate, our mediator, to die on a cross for our sins, that we could be saved. And when we pray that kind of prayer, the newness of life we feel is the Holy Spirit taking residence in us. But for too long, many of us have ignored the work of the Spirit within us to help us to live the life God wants you to live, to help you to know Jesus better, to help you to apply the things that God's Word says to do. So today, I just challenge you. Maybe you need to start by saying, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry that I've totally gone it alone. I've tried to do this project alone when it's been designed for the helper to help me. And because of that, I've been frustrated with my faith. I've, I have failed in many areas of my faith because I just have not trusted and listened for your guidance. But today, I choose to begin that process. So Holy Spirit, help me to hear. Open my heart to hear. As I read the Bible, I pray I'd be listening for the work of the Spirit within me to direct and guide my thoughts and the areas of my life where I need to change. 
And thank you that you also are the change agent who helps me to live a life that honors God. I can't do that in my own strength. I never will. But if I yield to your help, you'll work in my life. So I choose to do that today, Holy Spirit. Maybe make that your prayer. I choose to yield to your work within me, that I might know you better, Christ, that I might follow you better and make you known in our world. So thank you that you're our helper, Holy Spirit. And thank you, Christ, that through all these things, you've made it possible. As we go from this place today, we ask that we might go, yes, in the power and the awareness of the Holy Spirit within us, but also ready tomorrow to wake up and make the same confession again and again each new day. We need your help. We ask, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.